Hey everybody, this is Raul Gonzalez. And I'm Oscar Ibieta. And we are Medicare Agent IQ. So if you've been listening to us for a while, you know why we do this, but uh, Oscar, do me a favor, just it, will you tell everyone, maybe who's a brand new listener, why we do this show? Yeah, so whether you're new uh, in the business or whether you've been doing it for a while, the whole purpose of this show is is just to, to motivate you, to to give you some nuggets of information to help you be successful. Um, if you, Again, if you're newer, we wanna help you develop the tools to make you a great Medicare agent out there. If, if you've been doing this for a long time, we wanna help you sharpen the tools. And so that's gonna be in different forms of, of you know, things that we do that, that help us position ourselves and make us that much more valuable as agents out in the field or um, to educate you. And that's actually what we're, what we're doing today. Today's more of an educational topic yeah, you know, the, w our goal is always to to help people to be more successful. So how do we do that? By there's a lot of ways to do it. We've got to we've got to grow as as individuals. So the subject today that we're going to be going over is really kind of giving people guidance when they're first turning sixty five. Because I always tell people that whether or not, and, and nowadays it's different, right? Not everybody is enrolling as soon as they turn 65. So when I started in the business, people would enroll from, you know, from day one, they would get their Medicare card without even having to do anything. They'd have to actually send it back. Like, I don't, I don't want part B. And now, and now people are having to do it. So, so what I'm telling people is, why don't you call me and then I will give you guidance on whether or not you should sign up for Medicare, right? And so with all of that being said, we've got to be able to, one, we gotta know what we're doing here so we can educate people. Because so the first question that I have, Oscar, is who is primary when you, if you're, if you're 65 years old and you have health insurance, what's the primary insurance that you have? Well, that answer depends. And, and by that, I mean, if, you're, if your company has 20 or more employees, then, then your group health plan pays first. Right. Now, if your company has fewer than 20 employees, then Medicare pays first. Medicare is your primary insurance. Right, so it says here, if you're 65 or older, you have group health plan coverage based on your or your spouse's current employment and the employer has 20 or more employees and the group plan pays first. And then if it's 19 or less, then Medicare pays first. Why is that important though? Well, it's important because it, it's it's all a matter of how who's gonna, you know, how they're gonna coordinate the benefits. But if you have fewer than 20 employees and if you, well, if you choose not to take Medicare, um, then you could be facing some penalties later on down the road. So as agents, we have to know this information because um, because if they have more than 20 employees and they don't even have to, they, they technically can hold off on enrolling into their Medicare, at least for part B. Right. Um, and I know we're gonna dive into it a little bit more as far as what we should and shouldn't do, uh, but it's super important to kind of understand. And so that's one of the first questions that we ask when we're sitting with them is, where, where do you work? How many employees does your company have? Because that's gonna help us give advice on what direction that they should go. Yeah, but you know, I'm thinking about, and so I want everybody to know, so we know a lot of this information, we've been doing this for so long, but but 
if you don't know it, you can get the information. This is where we're, we're actually referencing today, the Medicare and you handbook that is put out by Medicare. And what it is, is they, they, it's, it's beautiful. It's written like uh, on a eighth grade level, which is, which is great because a lot of seniors, you know, have different levels of education. So it's, it's written on an eighth grade level. But one of the things that I, that I like about it is really, you can get all your answers right here. And so I personally, actually don't use a book I, I use i go online to 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 medicare.gov and and you can actually pull up the book matter of fact what i actually do instead of looking for it is i just go to google and i type medicare new handbook 2023 or next year it'll be 2024 and so i type that in there and it pops up a pdf the reason that i do that is because i can quickly search for whatever it is i'm looking for i can hit control f and i can type in 20 employees. What was that about that? Or if you're an Apple user, it's command F, but like, what was it about that? Was it a, was it 20 employees? What was it? It'll take me right to that section. So one of the things that I did want to point out is if you're under 65, the rules are a little bit different when it comes to the size of the employer, which is interesting. So, but I want to read it real quick. It says, if you're under 65 and you have disability, you have group health plan coverage based on your or family members, current enrollment, and the employer has one hundred or more employees then your group health plan pays first so changes from 20 to 100 yeah. if you're under 65 so all of these things are important so if you're if you're talking with somebody and they're under 65 ask the question about how big is that employer um, you know it's important the reason it's so important is because of the fact that I have personally had a conversation with the senior. He was about 70 years old. And I explained, hey, uh, just so you know, you're gonna have this, you're gonna have a penalty. And this is the reason that we're actually doing the show today in the first place, I explained to him, hey, you're gonna have a penalty. And what he told me is he says, uh, no, that's impossible. The, the agent that I spoke with previously, and he's talking about five years ago, told me that I wouldn't have a penalty because some agents don't know all of the rules. So you've got to familiarize yourself. Because I, I tell you, I would struggle sleeping at night knowing that I was giving people that kind of wrong information. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. You got to ask, you got to ask more questions. So are you, you know, I'm turning 65. Let's that agent that they had a conversation with five years ago. Hey, I'm turning 65. That agent probably asked, well, do you have insurance through your work? Yes, I do. Okay, then you don't have to worry about the penalty. And they probably just left it at that and didn't dig deeper. They didn't ask more questions and you have to. Yeah, you know, and, and even like, I, I think of I think of senior citizens that, that I, a situation that could come up where someone is 65 years old, okay? So they're 65 years old, they just turned 65, and they have five other employees that they have on their health insurance. They wanna to continue to offer the health insurance for their employees that individual also needs to sign up for Medicare. And so a, a tenured agent will know that. Yeah. Someone who is just kind of going in may not give that right direction. So it's important to, to learn and continue and, and go through this book. And if you have some downtime, familiarize yourself with the rules because we never want to give that wrong information. So let's talk real quick. There's a fact sheet from medicare.gov also, and you can just Google uh, deciding whether to enroll in Medicare Part A and or B when you turn 65. And there's a form that comes up, it's 15 pages, but what it is is it's for the senior to be able to go through and they're gonna run through it and kind of gives them some information. So that's kind of what I wanted to do today is I just wanted us to go through it 
and have a conversation about the things that come up so we can kind of help people to understand and to give guidance. So the very first part of it, it says, uh, determine your initial enrollment period. So we know how to do that. That's right? an easy one, right? Yep. It's a seven month window. Yep. It's three months before your 65th birthday, the month of your 65th birthday, and three months after. That is what we call, that's what we define as IEP, initial enrollment period. Yeah, and so then it asks people, go ahead and, and put your uh, put the date on it. So kind of turn the page here, and it says decide whether to enroll in part A and or B when you first turn 65. So one of the things that it does say here is that most people should enroll in Medicare part A when they turn 65, even if you have health insurance from an employer. And the reason that they make that recommendation, so just go ahead and get part A. The reason they make that recommendation is all the years that you've been working, you've been paying taxes for uh, for Medicare. So of course it, it, it makes sense. That's something that you're getting premium free. You might as well go ahead and sign up for it. What's the reason for that? For for it being premium free? Yeah, well, or, or, no, my, my thought on why should you still get it? Because it's extra coverage for you, right? Yeah, sorry, I misunderstood that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know where you were going with that question. So. No, I know, I heard it in my head. I was like, oh yeah, yeah it could go in <laughs> several places. But yeah, it, it, the, the reason that it makes sense to me that even just because it it's premium free, but it could actually give you some coverage if you go into the hospital. It right. could actually provide some coverage. So uh, that's an important important one. Um, it does say an important note here. It says, however, some people may want to consider delaying part A also until a later date, such as people who contribute to an HSA. So I don't want to muddy the waters too much, but, but I will say that there are some, some rules regarding HSAs and being able to continue to contribute to an HSA once you're on Medicare. So that's an important one. You're not able to continue to, to contribute to an HSA once you're on Medicare. So that's why you would say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it all, keep them, keep it all the way. No so. longer contribute, but that doesn't mean that the money's in there. You still have access to the money that's in your HSA. You just can no longer contribute if you decide to enroll into Medicare. Right. Now it says here, most people need to enroll in part B when they turn 65. Only people who have health insurance from their current employer may be able to delay enrolling in part B. So that may be a, that's a big part right there. It says from their current employer. That is, you know what, we're done. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it because it's a, it's a current employer is, is how you get out of that. So what does that mean? People who have VA coverage, you know, that's a big one. There's a lot of people who have VA coverage that end up choosing not to enroll into Medicare. And they're like, well, I'll just go to the VA should something should something happen. And that is just not okay because of the fact that it, that is not considered to be credible coverage. It's not considered, it's not within those rules of, of how you could avoid it. The big confusion or the confusing one between, you said, you know, current, there's an emphasis on the word current there. Uh, it's a uh, retiree coverage. Yes. That's, and, and sometimes people can get confused. Are, is it retiree coverage or are you currently working and is it coverage through your current employer? And I, I think that I think that some of those large companies that have that retiree coverage, because usually it's the large companies, mm -hmm. right? Like small business with 50 employees probably doesn't have, you know, these these lifelong benefits. But but these large companies, sometimes they don't always do a great job of communicating like, hey, you should still sign up for Medicare uh, in case because 
it, it happened previously. I remember now. I'm dating myself, but back in back in 08, 09, uh, GM decided that they had to get rid of a lot of their retiree coverage, and so I met with a lot of seniors who ended up having to get the late enrollment penalty because of the fact that they had all this coverage. And I, I mean, I'm talking about someone who's 80 years old. We were on it for 15 years, and then they got that late enrollment penalty because of the fact that they just didn't know and they didn't do a great job of communicating. So I'll tell people, if you have retiree coverage that is that is good, we don't always know the direction of your company. Right, and it can be a roller coaster, right? The premiums, the coverage, you, you never know what that's gonna look like. As a matter of fact, I, I had a situation like that come up uh, about a year ago. Uh, person was on retiree coverage. Now, thankfully, this person was only 66 and had not signed up for Medicare, but his retiree coverage, the cost went through the roof. And so it just, it was pretty much, it was somewhat unaffordable. And he said, I'm better off taking Medicare. It makes more sense financially for me. And so he was okay paying that one year's worth of penalty. But in your example, right, if it's, if they're 15 years years in, that's a, that's a big penalty. What is that penalty for part B? 10% of the of the premium so the premium the the penalty right now is $16 and $16.90 times right. 15 right whatever that is right you're looking at a, a good chunk of change in addition to the monthly premium and it's a it's per month and it's a lifetime penalty. Yeah, lifetime. That's the thing that gets me, Li- lifetime penalty. Yeah. So one mistake can cost you really forever. And so again, <laughs> that's why we have to educate ourselves. That's why we spend a little extra time learning these things. Um, so kind of going back, another one that, that sometimes people get confused about would be COBRA. When, when, you, when, you, when you're leaving a job, let's just say that you're, you're 68 years old and you're leaving a job, well, you have eight months to sign up for, for Medicare, okay? You have eight months to sign up for Medicare Part B when you leave a job. COBRA does go longer than that. And so what we see sometimes is people just saying, hey, I'm covered, I'll sign up when my, co- my COBRA coverage is ending. And oftentimes, depending on the month of the year that, that, that their COBRA coverage ends, it can be very complicated to, to get it. We've seen people have to wait a long time uh, to, to get it because of the fact that, that they did not sign up for Medicare after they left their employer. So don't let COBRA confuse people. Make sure that you're communicating that to them. I see a lot of agents out there that would, they, they have a social media presence where they do like uh, like YouTube or TikTok. And so if you if you do, make sure to communicate that to your to, to your followers. That people need, we need to get the word out that COBRA is not creditable coverage for Part B. So let's make that clarification. So we should have probably done that earlier. Yeah. But all of the things that we're talking about right now are for Medicare Part B, not for Medicare Part D prescription drug coverage. There's some different rules. Like, you know, a lot of times the COBRA coverage, if, if as long as it's at least as good as Medicare's, is creditable coverage for Medicare Part D. Same for so, VA. Yeah, yeah, same for VA. You don't have to have uh, prescription drug coverage. But we just want to, we you know, you, you've got to make those clarifications. So another one that is not... Um, is not going to be coverage that you can use as Medicare is a individual health insurance coverage like a, like the marketplace or or ACA or Obamacare right yeah. that's what some people call it and one piece about the marketplace one thing that we that we run into and you as agents may run into quite a bit is you'll meet somebody who's on a marketplace plan and they're receiving subsidy it's it's being heavily discounted the the premium is probably about five hundred dollars a month but they're only paying $15 a month for it. So if you sit down and have a conversation with them 
and you're explaining to them, hey, these are the premiums for Medicare Part B for 2023, it's $164.90. That person, that's a simple, that's a simple uh, solution. Hey, I'm gonna stick with my marketplace plan because I'm only paying $15 a month for it. Why would I wanna sign up for Medicare that's almost $165 a month? Well, when you become eligible for Medicare, you are no longer eligible for subsidy on a marketplace plan. So you'd be subject to the full premium. So now you can keep your marketplace plan. It's $500 a month, or you can enroll into Medicare. Yeah. So you get to, so, so you lose the subsidy. And in addition to that, you can get a life, life subject to penalty. a penalty. So the, the, the struggle that I've seen sometimes in, I don't know if it's gotten better, but there was a, a while where this subsidy going away wasn't, it, 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 there was a delay, right? Maybe, maybe it didn't automatically when they turned 65 go away, but they backdated it and then that subsidy would, would go away, right? They weren't immediately ending it. So people, if you talk to someone who's 65 or, or turning 65, they may not realize that their coverage is about to go mm -hmm. away. So it's, a, it's, it's super important again to kind of communicate all of these things. So the next one was, uh, or kind of going back to this, it says, uh, I have TRICARE or CHAMP VA. So just want to talk about that real quick. So if someone does have TRICARE, they have to have Medicare. So the way that it works when someone's turning 65 is that they get TRICARE for life. It transitions over into TRICARE for life. And the way that that works is Medicare pays primary and then they pay as a secondary. And so same thing for CHAMP VA. We see a lot less CHAMP VA people now, right? Yeah. There, there was a time when, when, when there was a lot of people who had CHAMP VA. So. Um, so the next one here says, I have health insurance based on my uh, current employment from an employer with 20 or more employees. And then if you select that one, it says your decision to enroll in Part A depends on whether or not you have a high deductible health plan with an HSA. And it says, do I have a health savings account? Uh, HSAs are a special kind of tax deferred account available only to people who have a high deductible health plan. HSAs are not the same as a flexible spending account or a health reimbursement account. If you aren't sure if you have uh, an HSA, ask your benefits plan administrator. It's so important because of the fact that you can no longer contribute to it. So I tell people, you, you, you can continue to have it, like you have that money saved in your account, but you can't contribute to it in, anymore once you sign up for, for Medicare. And in, an important thing to note is that you still can use it to maybe pay for your premiums. And I want to note something here, and, and just because we see this, right, as leaders, we, we have some of our agents who ask us questions about people who are on their group coverage, and they're trying to give that right guidance, and they ask us some of these questions. But sometimes there are situations where we, as the agent, don't have those answers, and we do have to um, d send them over to their to their health how their, their benefits administrators. So, hey, you gotta get with your HR and you gotta ask them these questions because we don't have that exact answer, but they would. And so we're not always gonna have the, the or we, you know, we have to be careful, right? We can't just assume anything. There are times when we have to send them back to their HR to ask these, some of these questions. Right, yeah, we're not, we're, we're not gonna have everything because there's parts that don't have to do what-, what Case with, by case. Ab right? Absolutely. Um, 
so just a, a, another other couple. So I have VA coverage it says if you only have VA coverage, you should enroll in part A and B when you turn 65. If you also have coverage described in one of the situations above, you should use that situation to decide whether to enroll in part A or B. Sometimes people do have VA coverage, then they also have retiree coverage. They're, they might be yeah. set, right? So, um, so, th so they might, they might be set. So the, the important distinction again, just to kind of, I know we're, we start because of all of this is so complex, you start getting into the weeds. If an employer does have 20 or more employees, should a person sign up for Medicare uh, Part B? It depends. That one depends. <laughs> what does it depend on? Well, there's questions that you want to ask. You got to dive a little bit deeper. Do you, the first one are, what are the, let's find out what the premiums are, right? How much are you paying for your coverage through your employer? Um, because if you're paying, $300 a month for your employer coverage, well then maybe it does make sense for you to enroll into Medicare. Yeah, yeah. So there's insurances out there where someone is paying $300 a month and, and they're paying that $300 a month to have a five or $6,000 deductible. So Medicare could make a lot more sense in that, right? So it, it costs less and we don't have those high deductibles. You could end up enrolling into a plan, save quite a bit of money, even if you say, uh, you disenroll from your $300 a month coverage and you were to sign up for original Medicare and get a Plan G Medicare supplement, you may still be putting yourself in a better situation because there's there's not a whole lot of out-of-pocket costs. Yeah. But there are other factors. Are there any dependents on your coverage? Uh, are your dependents eligible for, for Medicare? So if you have a spouse that you carry on your on your employer coverage, is your spouse eligible for, for Medicare? If they are, then then yeah, it might make sense for both of you to still come off. You continue the conversation. It's, you know, enrolling into Medicare Part B is still an option that's on the table. But if your spouse is not, then you can talk about alternative options or what happens because when you leave your employer coverage, your spouse is coming off of it too. So what, you gotta make sure that you have something in place, a plan in place for your spouse, whether it's a marketplace plan, an individual uh, coverage plan. So, so that's another question, another factor in the equation and then medications. Uh, because we all know that the the Part D, the coverage gap, the donut hole, people can get into trouble with that if they're on some heavy medications. But if they're on their group employer plan, remember most of the time their their expenses, including their prescription drugs, is going towards their max out of pocket, and they don't have to worry about a donut hole and getting into trouble financially with that. So these are questions that you want to ask, and you want to have these conversations with them, and you want to make sure that it does make sense for them to come off and enroll into into Medicare Part B. Yeah. So once we once we establish that they have a choice, then we need to start getting a little bit more into into the weeds. We start we got to start asking them those those questions about about how what kind of medications are you on? That's why you do a full needs analysis to get to know the individual. What doctors are you seeing? Are you seeing, a, you know, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of doctors? That a lot of times people when they're first turning sixty five, a lot of times they're not seeing a lot of doctors. They don't have a whole lot of medications, and so if, if that's the case, and they just have a very high cost uh, health insurance plan. Medicare could make a lot of sense. So it's again, a case by case basis. And you, you want to, you want to get to know the people. I want to just real quick touch on Medicare part D and maybe at the end of this, uh, we, we can make sure that we can package it up. We're getting around the end of our, of our show for today. Medicare part D 
COBRA coverage for the most part, as long as it's as good as Medicare, will will um, will be creditable for Medicare Part D, which means that they won't get a penalty. Same thing for retiree coverage. If they're on a retiree coverage, maybe maybe they would end up. There's there's people who could end up getting on their retiree coverage and signing up for Medicare Part B, but maybe they don't need to sign up for Part D. Okay, same thing for VA coverage, uh, where if they're telling you, listen, I only go to the VA. Okay, so here would be my recommendation. If you only go to the VA, go ahead and sign up for Medicare Part B because we'd hate for you to have a penalty if you ever have to start going you know, you know, outside of here, uh, outside of the VA. And maybe if you only get prescriptions from the VA, then don't take Medicare Part D and you won't be penalized. And then individual health insurance coverage, that one, you, you still, you, you, need to, you need to get off of that, that individual health insurance coverage. Um, so just kind of wanted to make sure that those are the differences between Part B and Part D and that you, you've got to know sometimes it might make sense, like we just said, to sign up for the Part B and, and, and maybe uh, wait on the Part D. Yeah. And then just touching a little bit more on the on the VA, because that's something that that you'll run into as agents quite a bit. Um, a lot of times what we see is people, they don't see the need to enroll into Part B because they go to the VA and they don't have to pay anything. So why should I enroll into Medicare Part B? And you you mentioned it, right? If you have to start getting getting care outside of the VA, then um, and you decide down the road that you want to enroll into Part B, you're going to be subject to a penalty. And so many times it's just, you know, it's there as a protection. It's it's a safety net. It's it's your insurance, uh, for lack of a better term, right? Pun intended, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's it's your insurance in doing so. But things get things can get more difficult, right? You may be nice and healthy at age 65, but when you, if as we age, we have more medical needs, maybe transportation becomes an issue. We can't drive. If you're not, if you're nowhere near a VA, then, you know, access to care can become a little bit more more difficult and so I don't have you know I can't be going all the way at, across town or whatnot I'd rather go to my private doctor down the road and right. so you want to you want to encourage people to enroll into Medicare Part B yeah um, and we're, we're just about out of time one thing I want to I want to throw out real quick is just want to give some clarification on what would happen if a person, if they were on COBRA and they don't sign up for Medicare within eight months, what would, what would happen? They are going to have to, whenever they decide that they're ready to enroll into Medicare and that eight month window has passed, they're now subject to enrolling into Medicare for the general enrollment period. Right. And when does that take place? That's from from January 1st through March 31st. Not to be confused, GEP, not to be confused with OEP because OEP, that's for Medicare Advantage. Right now we're just talking Medicare. To sign up for Medicare. Exactly, to sign up for Medicare. Yeah. So they'd be subject to the, the general enrollment period. Again, it's a three month window. So if their COBRA runs out in July and now they're left with nothing, can I go ahead and take my Medicare right now in July? You can't. You're going to have to wait until the, the general enrollment period. So there's going to be a window where they can go without any coverage simply because they didn't enroll for Medicare in that first eight month window. And the thing is, is we've seen it happen. I've, I've gotten calls from agents yeah. who are like, hey, there's a lady that I've been talking to. And in just just prior to 2023, people would have to wait, even though they sign up in January through through March 31st, they'd have to wait till July 1st. So I'd get these phone calls and say, man, you know, they, they 
it's it's right now it is uh, it's June and I'm having to wait you know wait way too long to get coverage and people are are scrambling trying to figure out do I go get a job so I can have insurance or 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 what it is so what people are relying on are agents to know this stuff to give them right direction and uh, we we just want to do a good job of understanding penalties i know it can be kind of kind of hard to understand and even you know sometimes hard to follow along if you're listening to people but as i recommend as much as you can read as much as you can listen to content like this there's a lot of a lot of good podcasts out there where people are talking medicare this is your craft this is something that should be on the top of your mind so you can get better at your craft. So uh, do you have any other uh, notes on this subject before we wrap it up? Nothing. All right. Well, if you have any questions for us, anything that you want us to go a little bit deeper on, do me a favor, shoot us an email or engage in our content in our content. You can get into our DMs, send us a send us a <laughs> message in, in, in our in our DMs. We're on all of the platforms. We're on uh, Facebook, we're on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. And uh, so also do us a favor. If you enjoy this content, would you share it with someone else that we, you think it might be able to help? We'd appreciate it and we'll continue to do this. So until next time, thank you.